Dear brothers and sisters, today we celebrate the solemnity of Christ the King. It was uh, instituted in the church fairly recently, considered the long-standing uh, tradition of the church. Only in 1925, by Pius XI, with the letter encyclica Quas Primas. It was uh, the response of the Pope to uh, growing and uh, the growing threat of uh, atheism against the church. In the context, especially that particular case was uh, Mexico since uh, 1870 and the introdu introduction of uh, an atheistic uh, constitution. Uh, this uh, atheism grew up to uh, forbidding public manifestation of religion, to forbid uh, Catholic education, to forbid the public validity of Catholic marriage, then will escalate to execution of priests. In Europe, communism was uh, highly on the rise, highly spread, and in Russia, already had uh, generated uh, uh, martyrs. Church closed, converted into granaries, and uh, Christians executed, or the least brought to concentration camps. Is this uh, context uh, different? Is this a liturgical feast outdated? or uh, without lack of purpose anymore. Certainly, the context is different. Certainly, there are many similarities. There is a, the, there is a pervasive ideology that is uh, clearly atheistic. The one I want to focus is uh, the gender ideology that rejects God, the Almighty as the creator, defiantly, in order to uh, consider, reject in particular, the uh, male and female he created them. This rejection rejects ultimately God, one creator, the basic element of our faith. Because if there is no one God who is creator, Creation is dual, is dualistic. It means uh, we accept the reality. We come to turn to the reality that there is evil. And uh, we come to define the equation that what is matter is evil. What is spiritual is good. And in this um, ideology, the emancipation from the body, the rejection of God's law, in the physical reality is the rejection that reality comes from him and so the same reality is called to sanctity. Instead, this uh, ideology erects lust and dominion as uh, new moral values if a morality ultimately stands in that ideology. 
For us, sexuality comes from God. Male and female, he created them. Masculinity and femininity is not the result of the rejection of God. It comes earlier, it's original. It's the rejection of God, the human and angelic rejection of God that introduces dominion. And so, last. Another pervasive uh, ideology that uh, is ultimately not just political, but is uh, religious, anti-religious. It claims to the basic of where we come from and who God is, is the culture of death that uh, imposes abortion and euthanasia as rights. Then I see a utilitarian attitude in the way now we communicate. Social media for which anything that looks free is because the user is a customer, imposes a new way of communication in which the person is uh, put on the stage, is fostered to consider himself or herself on the stage and under public trial, under public evaluation upon worldly criteria last appearance as the only value of the person. And then very spread is uh, environmentalism that looks Christian. Christian don't need to be taught to take care of the environment because God put Adam in, this, in the garden to take care of it, not to abuse of it. But there is an environmentalism that is pagan, that rejecting God will not bring any good to the environment, nor to the human being. It is revealing to me that many policies enforced to protect the environment, also in third world country, go hand in hand with abortion and contraception. What does he have to do with that? Because in this, uh, religious understanding of the environment that is pagan, the human being has to step aside. The human being has to leave side to these forces. So it is still relevant, this solemnity in which we are called by our mother church to remember, first of all, for our own selves, that Christ is King because we are taught constantly that Christ is not the king. In these mentalities, that is ultimately what we are taught and what we are forced to believe. The other relevant um, analogy with those times is that these are creeds that are not offered upon the many to pick and choose. They are enforced. We have to comply to that. We have to burn incense to these religions. So Christ is king. Pius XI responded to, to that threat with a liturgical feast. A liturgical feast is not a program. 
It's not a new, a new announcement made. It's a liturgical feast because, first of all, we as Christian Catholics, we need to rediscover that Christ rules, that Christ is the ruler to whom we owe free obedience. And free obedience is called love. Christ showed his kingship before the resurrection on the cross. When he was raised, he manifested his kingship because there was still a plot of land upon which he was not ruling because we rejected God. And that plot was death, suffering, and evil. But he, undergoing death, suffering, and evil, he ruled. He planted his scepter on it. There was no land outside of his dominion anymore. And he conquered it. He claimed it from Satan with his blood. This is the kingship of Christ. Until the final, fully manifested kingship, without blood anymore, without suffering, in which Satan and anyone who follows him will be no more. What we are called to do, therefore, with a liturgical feast, to respond freely to that kingship, to submit ourselves to that kingship. May there be no more plot of land in our hearts covered in darkness. We need to submit freely any part of us, bodily, spiritually, to his dominion. And if we do that, we will experience that liberation, that original freedom to which we were created for. This is what we are called to do. This is the response to this coercive atheistic threat. This is the response. Christ rules in me, in my heart, among my brothers and sisters who believe, in this church, in our families, in which evil doesn't, is not anymore we can experience that God can redeem my heart, can use my freedom to say no to the impending evil that I'm about to commit now because he freed me and I don't have to. He saves me with my sacrifice so that I may experience also with my useless merits, his liberation, his victory. This is the honor, this is the dignity with which he treats us. The king wants free servants. The king wants servants to become his friends. For this, we decided that this, the beginning of a Christ the King, is the beginning of uh, the preaching for uh, four homilies during Advent, again on the essential elements of the kerygma. The kerygma is the core announcement 
that the apostles went to preach as soon as Christ was ascended into heaven and gave his spirit. That we are created by one God, the Almighty. That we have been enslaved by Satan with our own freedom. That we have been saved by Christ. And that we are called to respond to the baptism vows we made. This will be the preaching in Advent, and this will be the first stage of the synodal process that takes place in our diocese. We thank God for the guidance of our bishop who decided to respond to this call of a synodality, centering again our hearts on Christ. Because without centering our Christ, our hearts on Christ, there is nothing that we can offer to anybody, to ourselves, to the church. Our own conversion, our own sanctity is the true sanctification of the church. May Mary, Queen of Heaven, Queen our Mother, bring us to Christ the King.